The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News team for Canadian tax and financial professionals. Program recorded July 18, 2018. Enjoy. Welcome to the August edition of Life in the Tax Life. This is going to be an exciting edition here. We're, we're, we're talking about a number of things, one of them being a timing issues with regards to tax and how things could really sneak up and bite you in the you-know-what or somewhere else. I don't know what. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to know what, but uh, we've got lots of other things to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about a bit about life insurance mm -hmm. this month. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about getting your taxes back from CRA. We're mm -hmm. going to talk about some matters that have arisen internationally, mm -hmm. some matters that have arisen in various provinces and maybe shades of things to come. So let's get to all that excitement. All right, Joe. The first thing is in budget 2018, there was a proposal. Now, let me just give you an example here. You've got Mark, he's got a rental property and he rents it through Airbnb. Now, let's say he had income for the 2017 year. Now, CRA generally has three years after uh, that year in order to reassess or after the assessment for that year mm -hmm. to reassess them. So sort of three-year window is when CRA can reassess them. Now this is the problem. If CRA goes to Airbnb and says give me all the information about your clients and how much they made and all that kind of stuff and Airbnb fights back and it's in the courts, it might take 12 months before that information is actually transferred to CRA. The concept is this, that 12-month period it took to fight, well, that's going to be tacked on to this three-year period that Mark has. So now his returns might be open for four years instead of three, and he won't even know about it. And you know the really interesting thing about that as drafted in the budget? That extended reassessment period is not only for the you know income related to the Airbnb, but it opens up the entire tax return for that additional 12 months or whatever the case now, Mark may be. Mark may very well have reported all his Airbnb yeah. income, but he missed something else, and now Scary. that's also open. Yeah, now, by the way, this is proposed, not yet passed, consultation right now, or you can send your comments on it if you'd like to. <laughs> Next. All right. Uh, so let's talk about some timing issues. Your client walks in, they haven't filed their personal tax return for a number of years, and you want to do a catch-up filing, and they weren't too stressed about getting their returns in because they were entitled to a refund. Do we have a problem? And the answer is maybe. Depending on how late they were in filing their tax returns, they may be barred from actually getting the refund from CRA to which they're entitled to. What do you mean? Well, let's go back to basics. If you file your personal tax return within three years of the end of the calendar year to which, or the, the year to which the tax return relates, you get the refund, no questions. If it's later than three years, then you need to go through the taxpayer relief provisions, which doesn't provide any guarantee that CRA will give you the refund. That goes for late filings up to 10 years. If you are really snoozing and you're more than 10 years late, well, you can kiss goodbye to any refund that you think you are entitled to because the legislation does not allow CRA to provide those refunds. The moral of the story is if you're falling a little bit behind, Okay, but get those tax returns in as soon as you can, especially if you're entitled to a refund. And that doesn't even cover the penalties and interest that you may be dealing with if you have a tax liability. So on that happy note, Hugh, why don't you tell us about some scams? Joe, I'm, I'm getting out of this tax business because this stuff is too scary. Okay. I'm going to go find a new job. And uh -huh. lucky don't me, I popped open my online, my internet account, and my email has a job offer. Hmm. It comes from 
way outside the country, probably on a different continent, and I'm a little suspicious. So I check out the company and I check out the guy who sent the email. Yeah, that's a real company. They're reputable. This guy's an executive. What's he looking for? He's looking for someone to help him collect accounts receivable in my city. What a coincidence. And he reached out to me. I don't know how he got my name, but uh, that's okay because he's going to give me 5% of whatever I collect. All I have to do is make some phone calls. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? I guess I'll pick up the phone, I'll call the first guy, and yeah, uh, I'm with ABC International Inc., and you owe us 200,000 bucks. Where is it? Oh, it's just a guy on the other end of the line. We're sorry. Let me get you a check. Where should I mail that? Holy cow, this is a terrific job. I get 5% of whatever I collect. That's 10,000 bucks. Yep. Uh-oh, what do I do with it? Okay, well, I phone up the, uh, the boss, and he says, you just deposit that in Canada. And then once the check clears, send us our 190 grand, keep your 10 grand. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I do all that. And I do it a few more times because, hey, this is a terrific job. Yes. And uh, <laughs> about two weeks, three weeks later, I get a phone call from the bank. Uh, these checks bounced. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I sent 95% of the money overseas. Yeah, well, you owe us 100% of the money. So we don't care where you sent it. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. And we don't realize how long the banks have legally to call you on that bounce check. It had already cleared, and this is a scam that's going on out there. So I suspect for most of us, we would have looked at that and thought, this seems a little too good to be true. But when you look up online and the company's reputable and the name mm -hmm. matches, gee, it's awful tempting to believe I've got yeah. this terrific job. Yeah. So I think I'm going back to tax. All right, so let's move on to the next topic here. Uh, a corporation that's a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, and there are a number of reasons why you might want to do this, but let's just talk about the mechanics of it. Let's say there is a million-dollar policy. You had a corporation who's a beneficiary of it. So somebody dies, let's say the million dollars is paid to you. Now what you're supposed to do is reduce the million by the adjusted cost basis of that, and let's say the basis is $100,000. The difference, the $900,000, goes into something called the capital dividend account. So essentially, you could pay out of your corporation up to $900,000 to a shareholder with no tax impact to that shareholder. So that's wonderful. You want that account to be as high as possible. So the key concept here is what is that ACB, adjusted cost basis? And that's not something you calculate. You're going to have to get that from your provider. Now the comment that we've got this month is what happens if there are two beneficiaries, two corporate beneficiaries of this policy, or three or four? What happens there with this adjusted cost base? Do each one sort of get a third of it? Let's say there are three of them. No, says CRA. That million dollar policy, you got three recipients, 333 grand each. That $100,000 ACB gets applied three times. Mm -hmm. So 333 less 100, you've only got 233 in CDA here, 233, 233. So you've sort of eroded the value of it. So do we want to get separate policies for each? I don't know, but you got to watch out. Yeah, heads up there. Well, let's switch gears a bit and talk about HST, GST, depending on your province. In this case, we had a business who had expended um, some amount with respect to GST and they wanted to claim it back as an input tax credit. It should have been easy peasy. The problem was there was a pretty big lag between the time they expended the amount and the time they claimed it back as an input tax credit. How long you say? 2008, they expended it. In 2015, they claimed it back. And there were a number of reasons for this. But let's talk about whether they could get the ITC back 
even though we had the long uh, time delay, and the courts said no. In order to get the ITC, you need to be claiming it back within four years of the end of the period that you expended the amount. We were far beyond that four years. We kissed goodbye to that money uh, from the government. Consider it your gift to <laughs> Canada. Yay. <laughs> Hugh. Yeah, non-gratuitous gifts. Uh, well, <laughs> speaking of things that we didn't want to pay, uh, our Canadian businesses who are dealing with U.S. customers may want to take note. The U.S. Supreme Court recently issued a decision that threw out their old rules that state sales taxes require you to have a physical presence in the state. South Dakota decided they were going to tax everybody, including a lot of online re retailers who mm -hmm. ship into their state. And the retailers figured they had it made. Court already told us, no physical presence, no sales tax. Well, South Dakota pushed this all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, and the U.S. Supreme Court said, yeah, that was a long time ago. Today, we have the Internet. We have an awful lot more commerce being done with no physical presence. The law needs to move with the times. Mm -hmm. And as a result, as long as they're doing it right, they can tax incoming merchandise sales and force the guy doing the shipping from the Caribbean to collect and pay their sales tax, which uh, we've got to worry about. Uh, we probably have to keep watching the states because the ones that aren't currently taxing on that basis are probably seriously yeah. considering it now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the U.S. also has a lot of local sales taxes. Mm -hmm. Quebec wants to do something similar. They told yeah. us that in their last budget. So a lot of provincial changes and probably yeah. a few other provinces Honestly, thinking about this. I, when I think about the states, I think as Canadian practitioners, you know, we may not be incredibly familiar with these U.S. state tax, so we got to take a step back and take a look at this. And get somebody who knows involved. Yeah. Let's go on to one other thing here. Provincially, a lot of things going across the provinces. Ontario, they've said no to the cap-and-trade carbon tax, even though you're federally required to do something like that. Who knows what's going to happen there? B.C., they're doing consultation on the public land registry, so who is the beneficial owner of this real estate? The person who owns the corp, who has the real estate publicly available? Oh my goodness, we'll see what happens there as it goes across the country. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you very much. Have yourself a great one. The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. That's V-I-D-E-O-T-A-X.com. The preceding information is provided for general informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, visit videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News Inc. 2018. All rights reserved.